falling into the sunken place. Hello and welcome to Seismic Cinema. We are two friends, would we say, Paul? Well, I'd hope so. Yeah, two friends who Maybe like after shows. <laughs> they like to talk about movies and TV shows. Um, for any audio listeners, I was stirring a cup of tea. Well, there's not actually any tea in it. And Paul was falling into the sunken place. So hopefully you can guess what we're going to review. The movie Nope, and that is the actual title of the film, is coming out soon, directed and written by Jordan Peele. And we've decided because we, well, we've not really spoken about us yet, but Get Out was a movie that uh, I personally really loved and hopefully you did too. And Us was the, the follow-up to that. The films aren't related as such. It's just the same director. And then Us, Us no, Nope, is coming out on the 22nd of July. So we're going to review Get Out today, look at the all the hidden details and all the foreshadowing, and then we'll be talking about Us next week. Are you looking forward to it, Paul? Yeah, looking forward to it. I actually... Did a bit of uh, re I rewatched it this afternoon after I got oh, home from work, so I'm kind of clued up again because I forgot a hell of a lot. Um, I've still to watch us and oh, judging yeah. by everyone's kind of general consensus, is it's not as good as this, but I'm keeping an open mind about it. I've only watched it once, I don't remember it being bad, just obviously, if you're comparing it, I think if you go into it not comparing it to get out, then. Yeah, you might, you might enjoy it. I heard it's just a bit confusing as well. Like, yeah, but, but other than that, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure what I make of Nope. It just it sounds like a weird title that isn't appealing, but I don't know. I think we give it, I think he definitely deserves a chance based on this film. And did you know this was Jordan Peele's directorial debut? I did. Um, but see, when it first came out and they're saying, oh, Jordan Peele's first film, that, um, I totally forgot who Jordan Peele was. And I was like, who's Jordan Peele? But yeah, I watched the uh, Key and Peele show quite a lot on YouTube, like different clips and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And I just didn't I didn't put two and two together and realise it's him. I so yeah, know. it's good because he's such, a, he's such a funny guy. So it's funny yeah. seeing him do a horror, a psychological horror. I watched a few interviews with him when he was talking about debunking and agreeing with some of the fan theories about this movie. And there is so much detail, so we probably shouldn't waste any time uh, getting into it. I've just got, I've decided I'm sick of not knowing the names of characters and actors. So I've actually done a wee bit of prior prep before this one. So the movie came out on the in January 2017. And I thought I went to see it with you, but you seem to say I didn't. I, th I thought maybe me, you, and... Did we see this together? Can you remember? Uh, in the words of Jordan Peele, nope. Okay. Uh, nah, um, I watched it in my house way, way after it came out. I never watched it when it first came out. Yeah, I saw it in the cinema, and I've got the DVD, and I have watched it so many times. Um, it had a budget of $4.5 million, Okay. But it made two hundred and fifty-five point four million at the box office. So it done not too shabby. A gross, uh, sorry, a net profit. I should get my terms right as a business teacher. One point two four point something. I can't read my writing. Um, net profit <laughs> they made, and it was also um, the Writers Guild said it was the greatest screenplay of the twenty-first century. 
is this the first time we've done a podcast and we've actually spat out raw facts? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Usually, just make up things like, "Oh, this is actual factual <laughs> now. We're actual serious." No, no, I just thought it added a nice wee touch to the start. So, <laughs> do you think we should do just a very brief overview of the plot before we delve into all the small details, just for anyone who needs a wee refresher? Sure, aye. Well, you because you, you love this movie so much, you'll do it more justice than I will. We won't uh, do our mistake we have made a few times where we talk in detail about the whole film. It will just be a a paint by numbers. A brief summary. Yes. Um, one thing I want to say, just while I was waiting on yourself, um, I and you're quite prompt. Well, sort of quite prompt. Um, I was looking at the trailer for the film, and I don't know if you've seen it, but the trailer literally gives away all the secrets and all the plot. So I'm, I'm really, yeah, watch it after this podcast. And um, I'm really glad I didn't see it beforehand because it literally ruins the film. Does it? Right, okay. Because I was wondering because mm. uh, seeing I was watching it, now knowing what you know, it's funny seeing it again. And uh, mm. yeah, I know what you mean. It, do- it doesn't like tell you absolutely everything, but once you've seen it and you look at the trailer, it literally gives away so much of the game. Yeah. So anyway, brief summary. Um, Chris Washington, who is played by Daniel Kalula. Is that how you say his name? Does that sound right? Is that not a look here? Well, apologies for the pronunciation, but that's how I think it I think it was. So Chris has um, got a girlfriend called Rose, and they're going to visit uh, Chris's... No, not Chris's. I need to get this right. Rose's <laughs> parents. <laughs> Rose's parents for the weekend, and uh, Chris is black and Rose is white, and that's a big point in the film and Chris is quite nervous about meeting Rose's family um, I don't know whether he's had any experiences in the past or not been accepted because of the colour of his skin but he's really quite nervous about going they go up for the weekend, everyone seems quite nice but there's a wee bit of a an undercurrent uh, could we say and Absolutely. yeah and everybody treats, everyone's acting a bit weird towards him and there's a there's a groundskeeper and a housekeeper who act a bit strange as, as well. And there's a big party. And to skip to the end so we don't have to go through the whole thing, it, it turns out this family has been uh, either abducting or Rose has been like dating these black people. And because there's one female as well. And they. The, the dad is a, a neurosurgeon and he is removing the, the brains of uh, rich white friends and then putting their brains into the, the bodies. And yeah, I think that's a decent enough shortened version of, of what goes down. Yeah. And, uh, and Rose, Rose is obviously in on it because she's the one that's getting all these um, people to come up to the house. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. One one of the one of the main things I thought about it was see Rose herself. Like see right up until it's revealed that she's in on it. Did you think she was in on it? I saw it for the first time so long ago now that I don't think I did at the time. Yeah, because I was I was watching it. The first time I was watching it, I was like, no, she's genuinely wanting to help him. Once they find out what's going on, oh, they find out that uh, 
there's more to it than meets the eye. And Chris wants to escape to the, the family retreat. I was like, she's definitely on his side. She wants to help him escape. Even this time around, rewatching it and uh, knowing what's happening, she acts it so well. Like, she acts concerned and like empathetic and stuff. Like, I'm still thinking, oh, is she genuinely want to help him? You know what I mean? It's just like she, she acts it so well that, um, that she's actually on his side. Which I thought was really good. Yeah. She does. But uh, what's quite interesting when you do know what's happening, when I was doing the rewatch uh, yesterday, there's things that she does that make her seem like a really committed, caring girlfriend. But when you know what's happening, they actually have a sinister side. You know, when they're driving out, mm-hmm. and he goes to take a cigarette out and she basically chucks it away. Yeah. He's obviously pretending that she just cares about his health his health as her boyfriend but really and quite a lot of the characters make a big deal about the smoking they just want him to be in the best physical condition because he's basically a, a product to them yeah yeah that's what i thought when i rewatched it as well like i never picked up on it until the second time around yeah they're just wanting to keep him in peak physical condition yeah and there's there's other ones as well in that in that same scene it's, it's not about rose but the you know when she's Oh, no, it is about Rose, actually. You know when the police officer is going to take his details, even though he wasn't driving? Mm-hmm. Um, she's pretending that she's standing up for him um, because there could have been um, accusations of racism on behalf of the police officer, but she doesn't want a record of him being in the area oh, so, that yeah. he, so he doesn't get classed as missing. I didn't even think about that. That's ah uh, yeah. Until you said that, there, that's quite a good point because I was just thinking that she was just acting really well to to kind of stick up for him. But uh, that's a good point. I never even thought of that because it was in the news that the the Hayworth guy, you know, the guy that has Ray. Those, yeah, um, he it was in the news that he was missing. So if Chris had went missing too, then it would obviously um, be linked back to there. Yeah. And obviously the, the police officer is actually a good guy, essentially, because he probably heard about people going missing up there and is on the lookout for it. Are they going missing from up there, though, or are they just... Well, maybe not, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe he'd seen something that linked them, because obviously... It does come out later that the Hayworth guy is up there. Yeah, yeah. And he's the one who got snatched at the start. Yeah. So uh, when I first watched the opening scene, I was like, I, I can't remember how this links back to the film, but then I, I quickly remembered that uh, that was him. And I think the Jeremy, who's uh, Rose's brother, he's the one that's obviously doing the snatching. Yeah, because it's his car and his, his nice helmet. Yeah. yeah. And he chokes, he chokes him out like he tries to do it at the dinner table. So that's a that's a natural interlude into talking about um, Jeremy, Rose's brother. Uh, quite a character. Yeah, he's a bit of a, a creep, isn't he? So the, the first scene when we meet him, he's obviously asking Chris questions about like, UFC and, as you said, or not, well, he does that at the start of the film, but he also tries to fight uh, Chris in what's to be considered a playful manner. But I think it's quite obvious that he was the one he wanted Chris's body. 
Yeah, because I, I think he actually bids for it in the the, the bidding the silent, and, the auction. and isn't isn't um, isn't successful. All right, okay, I've never seen that. Uh, yeah, because Jeremy has got no chill whatsoever, does he? Like the mum and dad are playing the part pretty easy, and then Jeremy's just like creepy, steady, uh, talking all weird and stuff, and it's just he's the he's the first kind of red flag, isn't he? That, yeah. Is it the first red flag? No. Well, that happens quite often in movies. There's like a sibling that's just a bit crazy. Oh, yeah. So that that obviously that bit there links into what happens at the the party, and a lot of the guests are ask are making weird comments and asking weird questions of Chris and like touching his arm and different things like that. That bit's quite enlightening, I think, in terms of what's going on. Yeah, like. When I first watched it, um, I was just thinking they're being really weird, and then rewatched them. Like you're watching it, you're going, "Wow, they're sizing him up. They're like mm-hmm. uh, just basically evaluating him for the bid." Yeah, because there was a bit where one of the, the woman touches his arm. She's basically like feeling his biceps, and then her husband's basically sitting there like salivating over him because he's yeah. obviously after his body. That was quite quite was well, a disturbing movie. In general, but I, th- I found that sequence quite tough, not tough to watch, but you know what I mean. Yeah, cringy. Because there was the bit where the, the other guy was talking about like Tiger Woods and he was wanting to see his golf swing. Yeah. As well. And it's just assuming, just assuming that uh, Chris is hmm. interested in Tiger Woods just because yeah. he's black. There was the bit, I don't know if you noticed it, the. Is it Hayworth where he, he goes to fist bump him, but then he goes to shake his hand? Yeah, because obviously it's an elderly man inside the inside the body. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's very enlightening the second time around watching it. I think I think it's one of these more films you need to watch twice just to catch everything. I think that's why I like it so much. Foreshadowing is one of my favorite elements of film. And this was actually number three on my um, movie ranking. Oh, was it? Yeah. I do I do very highly regard it. There's other bits of that party scene as well, because when they just when the dad who is named it's useful having the names written down, the dad Dean. who's called Dean, yeah. He mentioned it as like a party for his parents. So see when the party guests are arriving, did you notice that it was the Walter, the groundkeeper, he was like greeting people out the cars and shaking their hands. I did not. I missed that. Because the the guests are all their friends. Yeah, yeah. Because they're obviously a lot older than uh, Dean and uh, Missy is the mum's name. Yeah. So see the grandpa. Is that the one that was in the video? Like the kind of induction video? The video is the is the grand grand and the grandpa and then the parents and this the the wee kids are obviously uh, Rose and Jeremy. Jeremy. So yeah, so he's obviously greeting all his old his old friends. So we we haven't actually mentioned that yet explicitly, but the the groundskeeper's called Walter. Mm-hmm. And he is the the vessel essentially for the the grandpa Armitage and the Housekeeper Georgi- Georgina is it? Georgina. Um, is the is the grandmother. Um, and the first time I watched it, 
it was quite it was a bit of a reveal in the car that she was she was the grandmother. Yeah. I didn't really, like sorry, on you go. It's really obvious the well the however many times I've watched this now. Yeah. I didn't like it though how you know like when Chris runs over the grandma when he's escaping and then puts her in the car to save her. Hmm. I didn't like how Rose came out with the gun and was like, Oh grandma. I'd rather like we were left to figure it out that it was a grandma. Oh. Instead yeah. of her just explicitly saying, Oh, that's grandma. She's gonna be bad. Yeah. I am still I think I've mentioned this to you before. she absolutely terrifies me. Like the the, the actress does a really good job. She's just utterly terrifying in all of her scenes. Who the Georgina? Aye. Aye, she's terrifying. Aye. Oh, yeah. I thought she played the part well right enough. I liked, like, how there was wee kind of wee breadcrumbs to, to mm. who they were because, like, the grandpa was a sprinter and you see yeah. him see Walter sprinting during the night in the middle of the night for no reason. Yeah, uh, that was quite funny, that bit, wasn't it? And Georgina, like, she talks in, like, old-timey kind of talk. Yeah. Like when Chris is talking about snitching and stuff, I and mean, she's like, "What snitching? Do you mean <laughs> Tale? Uh, yeah, um, that's where the whole thing came from because the the grandpa got beat by I can't remember what the Jesse Owens, Jesse Owens, and that was what created this desire to have the peak physical condition. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, my dog is scratching the door. I think a good bit to talk about yeah, is... Again. Do we need to pause? Nah, it's all right. What's up? I got a good bit to talk... Oh. And we have, a, we have a... A break-in. Oh, no, anyway, never mind. On you go, that's, sorry. That's Paul's dogs for anyone who's, who's listening on audio. I think a good bit to talk about is when Chris is getting the tour of the house when he first arrives, because there's quite a few we moments in there. Was there anything you picked up? Uh, the black mold. Yeah. So what did you think that meant? Uh, I thought it was just kind of a wee dig. Like hide well, the secrets. Do you know how if you're making I don't make cakes, but do you know if you get you get like a mold for a cake? Oh right, okay. Like you're a basically black, saying, a you're basically saying that the, the, the black people's bodies that they've abducted are the molds. For putting the brains in. Uh-huh. See, I never. I just thought it was a, a kind of slight against them, but obviously not. So that's great. You've been doing a lot of research, Colin. Well, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. A, a lot of it I did find myself, but I, I did listen to a few, a few extra reviews as well. That's what I should do next time: is write down which ones, which ones I looked at, and t- also in that intro scene. They, they mention he mentions his mum uh, who becomes uh, Georgina and he says um, we've kept a little bit of her and then the camera pans to her just standing in the kitchen alright I don't so remember that they basically kept her that's the, the part of her that they kept was <laughs> her, her brain I suppose yeah so quite, quite a big bit of the, the movie and the, when I was watching it, rewatching it this time, it'd been a while since I'd watched it um, previously. There, I couldn't at first remember the importance of the hypnotherapy 
and the the links to like uh, Chris's mother and things like that. So that's quite an interesting bit to discuss. Yeah, I totally forgot about that as well. Um, but it's just a way that the mum used to mm-hmm. subdue him, wasn't it? Well, if we, yeah. If we if we dial back to earlier in the film, see when they they knock over the the deer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's he's just standing staring at it. That was obviously linking back to when his mum died and he didn't do anything to help. Yeah, but to be fair though, he's a wee kid, wasn't he? So like, I can't blame him too much. But he was he was guilt ridden because he could have phoned the cops and they could have been out looking for her. But she mm-hmm. got hit in a hit and run and was alive for a few hours and then died of exposure or something. Yeah. Uh, so that obviously links in and you know the whole bit when they're doing the hypnotherapy and he goes into the sunken place? Yes. That, I think, is to basically represent how he felt when he, it was, he, he didn't help. Like, he was, he could see it, but he couldn't do anything. Right, okay. Which is also representative of the fact that the like you know the bodies have been taken over by the brains yes they don't have that much control so they're essentially in the sunken place because they Mm -hmm. can't really control what's going on so see this whole kind of like method of taking over bodies and stuff so does that mean all these people can never get their photos taken or Look at lightning or watch uh, any electronic dance music video. Or they'll get or, or, or they'll get a nosebleed. So they, they did they did mention that there is a wee bit of the person is it the bit that links the brain to I think it's the bit that controls like controls the nervous system. That's the only bit that's left. Yeah, so that obviously when um what's the guy's name? He's one name I didn't write down. Hayworth. What's his first name? Andre Andre Hayworth. Andre. When he when uh, Chris takes a photo of him, he the the part of him that remained came back to the surface. Mm-hmm. And one interpretation is he's telling Chris to get out, like just get out of here. But it's obviously more of a, a warning to Chris to escape and get away from it all. Yeah. So now, that's what we've all been shouting at him since the start of the movie, and to get out, get out of there. I think just so we don't forget about it, um, Daniel Kalula's performance was outstanding and I think he did win some awards for that but he did I think all the the whole cast was great but he was obviously a standout yeah he always had this kind of like wry smile when he was uh, like going through things he was uncomfortable which I could imagine anyone of us would do like if we were um, in that kind of situation like we'd be like ah. I know. Yeah, it was very uncomfortable. He was also in an episode of Black Mirror as well. That's what else I've seen him in. No, I've still not seen that. Still not seen that. If you like this film, you'll like you'll definitely like that show. Um, the we haven't actually mentioned my character's name. My screen name today is Rod. I thought he was added some. I, I think I don't think the film was, although the subject matter is really serious. I think it was quite lighthearted a lot of the time, like it. I think Rod uh, contributed to that because when you start watching the film, if you don't have a clue what it's about, you may just think it's like 
a romantic comedy at the start. The, oh, apart from the guy getting abducted. Yeah, if you take that bit out, yeah. just focus on them going to see the family. Like, If you hadn't watched any trailers or anything like that, you wouldn't really know what was going on. But I yeah. thought Rod, uh, Rod Williams um, thought he was hilarious the whole way through. Yeah, I did add some a good wee change of pace there. Because it's quite funny when he goes, he kind of figures it all out. Oh, things are going to be uh, sex slaves or something. They're getting hypnotised to be sex slaves and he goes to the police station. And they're all just laughing at him, but it was obviously proved not not hundred percent correct, but pretty pretty correct. I thought it was just quite cool having somebody on the outside who was doing a bit of investigation into it as well. Yep, those TSA agents are worth yeah. three detectives. I think it's worth noting that I totally forgot what I was going to say now. You say something. <laughs> I had a, I had a, I had a really good point, but then it's disappeared. But I'll come back. Uh, it's worth noting it was a good friend. He <laughs> was a good friend. Um, something that I saw was that the original ending saw Chris get arrested for the crimes, but they decided to not go down what would have been like the normal ending route in this kind of film, and they made it that he 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 didn't get arrested, and it was Rod that saved him instead. Yeah, I forgot how it ended. Um, when I was watching it again, I seen the sirens, and I was like. I bet it's that cop from the start and he gets arrested. And I totally forgot it was Rod that comes to save the day. Well, not comes to save the day, but comes to pick him up. Yeah. How, obviously, it's a psychological thriller and it's very eerie and suspenseful the whole way through. And I thought the music was great as well. But how brutal does it get in the last half hour? Yeah. I, it's very quick, isn't it? Like we've kind of. The final act. I don't think um, you can blame Chris for some of his for his actions. Oh no! Like if it was like, <laughs> I think if it was anyone and that had happened to him, you'd just be going crazy, wouldn't you? Um, well, let's go. Let's go through that uh, that sequence there. So I thought that was quite good. Is it? Chris is quite. He's a good protagonist in the sense is he's quite switched on. Like you know when he realised that. There was a cotton in the armchair. Yeah, and then he put it in his ears, so he, he didn't he didn't end up in the the sunken place. You about to sneeze? I've got a sneeze coming. <laughs> Just keep talking. It's fine. <laughs> so something that Jordan Peele himself has confirmed that the fact that um, Chris was picking cotton out of the chair. To save himself from slavery was like a flip on what would usually happen to slaves. So that, oh. that was that was intentional. I see. I didn't think of that either. Some there's too much deep, deep stuff from my simple brain here. So, so the first murder essentially Chris commits is well, you think you think he commits. I don't know how Jeremy survived because he's lying on the ground and his head's gushing with blood, like it's all over the carpet. But it's a. It turns out it was a. It was a croquet ball he hit him with. Yeah. Because earlier in the film he's got the croquet bat, so that's some nice uh, symbolism there. I really liked when he ran through the dad with the the deer head. Yeah, although he, he bloody snuck up on him pretty, hmm. pretty well running with deer head up the corridor, hmm. came out of nowhere. 
how how eerie was the bit though when the Dean was preparing for the surgery, and you see the head getting caved off like an egg? Yeah. See the worst thing about it too. That guy had his like brain, not his brain cut open, but his head and skull cut open. Then he burned to death. Yes. Poor guy from Dodgeball. Can't remember his name. So I think I actually wrote down his name. Um, Jim Hudson's the character played by Stephen Root. And he was Stephen the art dealer. So he was going to be the recipient of the of Chris's body. Chris's body. And I thought the bit with the video was quite eerie, like when he's explaining essentially what's going to happen. Yeah. I didn't like the video part. I don't know. I just thought it was I thought it looked stylish, but mm. I didn't I didn't mind the bit where he was talking to um Jim Hudson. But it was more the kind of introduction video i didn't like that i thought it was just a bit i don't know a bit cheesy mm. it reminded I, was me of, I, wasn't, I wasn't too sure of it reminded me of lost there's quite a few videos like that uh, kind of introduction videos essentially in lost yeah um but would have, you would have thought as well like we did not i, I don't know i would have thought they would be monitoring Chris, when he was watching those videos to see if how he was getting on or something, yeah. so they made him picking the cotton and putting it in his ear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but it's a cool a cool scene. It uh, was. Yeah. It's quite interesting that it just so obviously we're, we're we've missed a bit. So Chris is wanting to leave, and Rose is seemingly wanting to go with him. But then when he's in Rose's room, he goes into the cupboard and he starts looking through the photo album. Yeah, well, it was, was a bit conveniently left open, wasn't it, the door? It was convenient, but it was quite a eerie scene when he's looking through all these pictures. And it turns out Rose also had a relationship of sorts with uh, Walter and Georgina, which is a bit weird because they eventually have the, the brains of our grandparents. Yeah. Maybe maybe they didn't have that long-lasting relationship. Maybe they never got to first base. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, that bit was quite intense and I thought it was quite interesting. I thought Chris was exceptionally calm throughout this film, despite how he was being treated. It was quite harrowing to see how desperate he was when he went down the stairs and he was wanting the, the keys for the car and Rose is just looking in her bag. That was a really loud boy racer car going past. Um, <laughs> and she's looking through the bag and he just goes, you don't have the keys, do you? Or something like that. And she's like, sorry, babe. Uh, that whole that whole bit was quite was quite intense. I like the whole time he was going down. It's just like, have you got the keys? You Rose, you got the keys. Rose, got the keys. <laughs> I know the the tension the tension was building, um, and the whole family is just kind of converging on him. Yeah. So I feel like we've talked about obviously this is a film you could talk about for hours and probably not even scratch the the surface of all the little details, but I feel like we've covered. I can't. I can't think of anything glaring at the moment, unless there's anything else that you can think of. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the change in Rose from like when she's going out with him until she turns into like oh. the baddie. Uh, she just becomes totally emotionless. Remember when she was on the phone to to Rod? Yeah, and she's trying. She's trying to lure him in. Uh, 
he was he was almost next. But did you notice that she changed her hair as soon as she revealed her true colours? She put it up. Yeah. In and she was like almost like clinical, like she was just like that, and uh, she was sipping milk. And uh, at one point, she said, uh, "You were one of my favourites." So it's, it'd be interesting to see whether she actually did have any genuine feelings for any of the the, the many people that she abducted. Yeah. By the way, I don't know. I was being described earlier on. See Rose, and you know the guy who plays Superman just now, Henry Cavill. Yeah. They've got the exact same face. Do they? The exact same face. Like I'm convinced they're brother and sister. She did have the just the, the crazy eye, didn't she? Ah, she did die. But she got her comeuppance. She's dead, isn't she? Mm, not confirmed. Not confirmed. No, she was bleeding down the road, wasn't she? After yeah. Walter shot her. Yeah. I know a lot of time it's like leave a... Because I would class this as a, a modern classic. Um, leave the classics alone. But it'd be quite interesting to see a sequel where he... Um, Chris is dealing with the, the the fallout from this, and maybe him and Rod are trying to bring the bring the the whole neighborhood down. Because although the Armitage family are mostly dead, there's still all the their friends who some of them are in in the bodies. Yeah, because was not like a membership thing. So it was like the Kaluga was it the Kaluga Foundation or something like that. Hmm. So. What would your thoughts be on a, a sequel, or do you think they should just leave it alone? Ah, I just think leave it alone. It's because the kind of shock value of the big reveal of what was actually going on has mm. been ungone kind of thing. Unless we went yeah. in a totally different direction, but I think she just... Yeah. Now, you're, you're probably right, right but I, I did enjoy it a lot, so I really hope uh, Nope is is a good one. and We should maybe go try and see it together if you, if you fancy it. Aye, when's it? 22nd of July. 22nd, so that's... It's out next Friday, so we can maybe go maybe next weekend or early the following week. Probably early the following week. Hoping to go on holiday. Yeah. Hoping to go on holiday. It's a seismic cinema exclusive there. I don't know. Benidorm. Romantic. Very nice. So, yep. Probably call it there then. And you know, you not want to do a rating of your modern classic. Oh, good shout. You, you always seem to be the one that reminds me of this. I, I'm just going right in with a ten. It's a ten out of ten for me. I think the the amount of rewatchability and small details it has, and how enjoyable it was the first time around as well. I'm definitely going ten. Okay, like it, like it. Uh, oh, I don't know what I go for. I'd probably say. An eight for me, possibly. An eight? Like, like, I do like it. I just, it was a wee bit. I know it's like. Don't even say it. Don't even say it's slow. The pacing was great. No, at the beginning it was a bit kind of like I know they're building up a relationship. It was a wee bit slow for me, for me personally. And then I felt like they kind of wrapped up the end pretty quick, like him escaping and all that kind of stuff all happened in a very short space of time where I feel like it has drawn it out a bit more. I feel like it could have been more kind of meaningful dialogue between the characters like as to why they're doing it or like kind of things like that. But it just kind of wrapped up without any, any, I don't know, any closure for me. But other than that, 
a good solid eight. Your opinion, but I strongly disagree with you. I think this film was perfectly paced. I don't think you needed just that closure. Like I think part of its charm was it was it just kind of ended when the his pal arrived and they went away. Like nah, just... I know that. I was meaning more like just because like he just escapes and kills everyone without anyone really saying a word to each other. Like I thought someday maybe like pleaded for something. No. What, what wanted to say something meaningful, but instead it's just really rose at the end, where she's just like pretending to go back to loving him, and he, she he leaves her alive, but because he doesn't want to kill her, basically. I don't think there's a lot of good in the Armitages, so maybe they didn't have any remorse or any real other character traits. I know, yeah, it's just a wee thing that I quite like in films. It but. it seems a bit harsh, if I'm honest. I'm a, I'm I'm harsh, man. You know me. You're the you're the you're the optimistic one. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Right. This will be the first public falling out. I think. <laughs> um. No questions. No questions today, unless you prepared any. Um. What was the name of Chris's dog? Not sure. Um. <laughs> We've actually, we said we'd finish about half ten, and it's literally half ten. This is the best time we've ever had, I think. I know, you've got 30 seconds to plug it. Okay, so plugs. So we are on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Not as busy, but Twitter is going really well, about in the 830s now. So make sure you follow and engage with us, and check out our review uh, to come of us as well. Um, we are on YouTube. A seismic cinema so please subscribe if you've checked out our content and hit the notification bell like that paul and we're also on all the other podcasting platforms uh, spotify and apple podcasts are seem to be the people's favorites but we're also on google anchor good pods audible amazon music and i probably missed some as always and um, so hopefully um you enjoyed listening to our review um on so this is coming out on thursday the 14th of july on Monday, we're going to release our latest ranking video, which is going to be of our favourite comedy movies. And we're going to be joined by uh, a friend and a colleague of mine, uh, Blair McComb, who's going to join us for that and make his uh, Seismic Cinema debut. And I'm just amazed that we do a thing that people actually want to give up their time and come on. So that's quite a nice a nice thing. You can know, I had to slip on my tenor. <laughs> I was just playing football with him and he didn't give me any, any money, so... Okay, so that was us, Paul. Catchphrase, slogan, tagline. Uh, oh, the power of escapism. I was trying. To, I was trying to find something wet in the spot. And looking. This this film is a different. Maybe we would class this film as escapism. It didn't. It obviously had a real, a real message and uh, social commentary, but. It really does get you thinking about, um, although hopefully nothing like this happens in the real world, but um, yeah. And the way the world's going, it probably is. It's, it's one that really gets you thinking. So we were Seismic Cinema. Thank you for checking out our review, and we'll see you next time. Yep. Thank you. Cheers. Bye.